Welcome back, fearless nursing trailblazers, to season three of Trailblazing Nursing, proudly presented by the University of South Florida College of Nursing. I'm Usha Menon, Dean of the College and your guide into the pulse-pounding world of nursing innovation. Every month, we're dishing out 15-minute expertise-packed episodes diving deep into the hottest topics in nursing. Join me as we rub shoulders with colleagues and tap into the wisdom of global experts, unleashing cutting-edge insights that will revolutionize your approach to nursing practice. Dr. Bonnie Clipper is a nurse futurist, expert in virtual nursing, nationally recognized thought leader and global speaker. She brings decades of executive leadership, operations, and knowledge of technology together to transform the national healthcare ecosystem. She was the first Vice President of Innovation at the American Nurses Association. As CEO and founder of Innovation Advantage, Dr. Clipper is leading change and was among the first to revolutionize how virtual nursing care is practiced and delivered in hospitals. As a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Executive Nurse Fellow, she has published extensively on innovation in nursing, including the Innovation Handbook, a nurse leader's guide for transforming nursing, the Nurse's Guide to Innovation, and the Innovation Roadmap, a guide for nurse leaders. I am so excited to have Dr. Bonnie Clipper here with us today on the Trailblazing Nursing Podcast. Welcome, Bonnie. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. So I'm just going to jump right into this and, and with my questions. I'm so excited for you to talk about your journey. Um, would you tell us a little bit about your journey about becoming a nurse futurist? Absolutely. That's a, it's a good question. And it kind of goes back, I think, a very long time. Um, so I've been a nurse um, 30 plus years. And I remember way back to the beginning of that when I was a um, young nurse at the bedside. And um, it struck me there were a couple of instances in which I really felt as though while I was a direct care nurse, there were things that I would have loved to have seen more efficient or done differently. And in sharing those ideas um, way back when, it seemed as though there wasn't always a lot of interest from leaders in terms of what we had to say. And I remember that stuck with me in a way that made me say, jeepers, I think there's an opportunity here because we're the ones doing the work and we were the ones that really had some good solutions. So how do I help people um, listen to my thoughts, my ideas, what I have to say? And for me, that sort of was the catalyst behind um, honestly, several years pursuing different degrees uh, to become a leader in that I wanted to make sure that people were able to understand and hear what I had to say, but I had to communicate it effectively, not like a complaint, but rather a problem looking for a solution. And by the way, I have some ideas. So that's kind of how this whole journey started for me. And as a result of that work, literally digging in, not only as a chief nursing officer into dealing with what's in front of you today, which the role of a leader is become incredibly challenging and complex. So that made me scratch my head and say, huh, who's looking at what's coming down the road? How do we begin to identify not only the patterns and trends in healthcare, but what is that going to do to shape nursing and why is no one talking about that? And that for me sort of opened a completely new pathway that 
I walked through. I just said, you know what? Somebody's got to really help nurses understand what might be coming down the road in the future and how we're a part of this conversation instead of waiting for things to happen to us. So that was kind of the start of it. What codified it for me was really the amazing good fortune to become uh, Robert Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellow. That provided me an incredible set of skills and competencies and uh, developing expertise to really then learn how to look at what's coming, how to identify a pattern and a trend, and then also how to develop a platform from which to communicate that in a positive and sometimes very provocative way to have nurses, right? Our people don't like change, yet our world is all about change. So how then could I communicate that in a way that made our um, profession kind of go, huh, this is something we really need to look at. Wonderful. I I suspect you've made light of the 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 toll that this journey has probably taken in terms of trying to get people to listen to you. You know, visionaries are not always listened to, and sometimes we're thought of as you know, hey, what are you talking about? So, is there anything you can share, kind of, about what did it take for for you to convince people to take you seriously, to say, you know what, listen to me, this really does make sense. This is the future. Um, you know, there's. I think that there's a couple of things that um, that happen. I certainly remember when I was a CNO. Um, I started that journey when Jeepers in my very very early 30s, and I do recall at that time there were still when I would go to um, conferences, there were many CNOs that had um, a lot of tenure. And I remember that um, sometimes being in those conversations and, and in those meetings, you would sometimes get the sideway glances of those that have been around for a long while kind of looking at you saying, that's not how we do it, right? So that for me um, was, it just rubbed me the wrong way enough to go, okay, we got to change the way we work together. We got to change the way we figure out how to move forward. And um, we need to figure out how to be part of the conversation instead of letting it happen around us, especially because we're the largest part of the healthcare workforce and we're the ones laying hands on patients. So that really gave me the confidence to start to share what I thought, even if people didn't like it. I will also tell you, um, you know, whether this is a good or a bad quality, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. We are straight shooters. We don't always have filters. So while I work incredibly hard at filtering and saying things with as much empathy um, as I can muster, I also think that there is value in telling people the difficult things or communicating in, in a very clear and plain way that people can understand so that we don't, um, you know, overgloss it and, and not tell nurses, right? These are our people. We owe them what we think is coming. And quite often, as we continue to see, when there are questions, changes, challenges um, going on, where does the media go? They go to physicians, right? Physicians aren't at the bedside. Physicians aren't with the patients and the families all the time. Physicians aren't the ones holding the hand of a dying patient. So we really have worked very, very hard to create that space for ourselves. So sometimes I'll tell you that whether people like the message or not, I try to put it out there in a very respectful and, and sensitive way, but it's important for us to hear the things that we might not even want to hear. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to ask you now about this term that we're hearing a lot about in, in the media, in the literature. What is virtual nursing, Bonnie, and what does it mean for the future of nursing? Ooh, this is a really good question. So virtual nursing is not a new concept. It's actually been around for about 15 years, and we have used it a lot in outpatients, clinics, even home care settings. What is new is that during the pandemic, nurses are incredibly innovative and learned that in many cases, we actually had to go create a virtual model of care for our acute care inpatients to be able to safely care for them, right? We even had nurses that were strapping GoPros on to a helmet to go into a patient room and provide visual imaging to a provider or someone else. So we're incredibly innovative. And the model today, when we talk about virtual nursing, it is generally now referring to a hybridized model of care. And that means that we have nurses that are the direct care nurses providing the hands-on care to the patient in front of them. And that care can be supported by a nurse in a hub or a command center, or often we call it the box. And that support can look different. It might be a registered nurse. It can also be an LVN or an LPN. It might be a matter of gathering data or information on the admission, the discharge, uh, the tra a transfer, doing patient education. Or depending on the technology that you have, you literally could have 24-7 uh, bi-directional observation and looking at a patient to intervene from a clinical expert perspective to prevent a the need for a rapid response to help avoid clinical deterioration that's unfolding in front of your eyes. We're using it for precepting on demand for dual nurse verification of blood products, PCAs, chemo. We can use it to reassess pain after the direct care nurse provides a patient with a pain medication. We're seeing it being used as um, in a safety way by creating a trigger word. So depending on the technology that you have, whether it's tablets or whether it's ambient computer vision or cameras, there's really some different ways to create a use case. There are two basic models of care that have emerged, and I've actually written about those. One, I believe, is, is what we call the ADT, the Admission, Discharge, and Transfer Model. And that's kind of, if you can imagine, a really, really um, incredibly intense uh, think of it as kind of a call center, but the nurses there are doing admissions, discharges, transfers, right? The other part of it is really that we can use um, virtual nursing to create what's called a care partner model. And that might mean that if Usha and Audrey and Bonnie are nurses today on a med surge unit, we might have the virtual nurse in the box be on our team with each of the three of us, and we decide at the start of our shift that the nurse in the box is going to help us with our dual nurse verification, our pain reassessments, our patient education, and our discharges, right? So we know going into that shift, but we use them like a care partner. Whichever model you choose really requires you to think about staffing in a very different way. If you have nurses that are functioning in a command center that are doing admission, discharge, and transfers, that looks very, very different than someone that's working closely with three nurses as a care partner delivering care. So staffing looks different for those as well. What's interesting about this is that it literally has become 
the fastest growing care model. We know that 66% of hospitals are now exploring, researching, evaluating virtual care or virtual care technology for inpatients. So we are just seeing this kind of take off. I absolutely believe that due to all of the workforce challenges that we have, in less than five years, and honestly, it's going to be something probably closer to three or four, virtual nursing programs for our acute care inpatients is absolutely going to be the standard of care. Great. You know, it's exciting. It's a bit scary to hear some of those statistics, right? So one of the things I hear, and I I love how you explain this, is that as a, a thought partner or a care partner, because one of the things I hear people talking about is, is all this technology going to replace me, the nurse? Can you speak to that? Yeah, it is. It is not a replacement. It's a supplement, right? It's intended to offload some of the work to allow the nurses at the bedside to actually spend more time with patients to do a a better job with patients. Now, does that mean that down the road, there's an opportunity to change what we call this nurse patient ratio um, at the, at the bedside? I think we could explore what that looks like, but there are certainly a lot of things that we have to measure in order for that to happen, right? We need to know what the impact is on care before we can decide whether or not that's smart to change the ratio at the bedside. I will tell you there are many organizations that have moved into increasing by one patient per nurse the way that they are providing their direct care and utilizing the nurses, the virtual nurses to help them offload a tremendous amount of other work that just takes a lot of time. And those organizations are seeing very good outcomes and nurse satisfaction has increased. That's terrific to hear. I'm also hearing a couple of research questions in there for those nurse scientists listening in, or even those you know who are DNP prepared and really working on implementation. Evaluation of these strategies is going to be very critical to show the return on investment, as well as to show that it's actually supplementing what we do as nurses. So, um, how do we, boy, hearing that over sixty percent of hospitals at some level are integrating this into their care? As a nurse educator, I'm starting to think about, well, am I sending my students out into the world ill-prepared to deal with this? And we probably are because we do not. We have simulation, but that's different from what you're saying. So how can we start to incorporate this into the educational curriculum? Yeah, that's sort of the million-dollar question. So if you think about it, nursing students that are in the pipeline right now, particularly if you're in your first year of nursing school, they're going to be coming out in a world that uses virtual nursing. So how do we help them understand what it's like to be on a unit that has virtual nursing support? And generally, I think we're seeing some best practices emerge. You really have to have about three or more years of experience in order to be a safe and competent virtual nurse. So Nurses coming out of school or young nurses are not the ideal candidates to be a virtual nurse. Not yet. 
right? You have to really develop some rock solid assessment skills, critical thinking, problem solving, synthesis, all of those kind of things have to happen before you can be a very proficient and competent virtual nurse. Yet the new grads coming out of school are going to operate with virtual nursing support. So what does that mean when you have someone to support you? Can you delegate? What do you delegate? How do you do that with someone that's not standing next to you? So those are all things that really deserve some thought as we begin to teach new nurses working in a different care model, what that looks like. Absolutely. And I can see I can see the challenges of incorporating this into a competency-based curriculum that is already very, very full, you know, per our accreditation guidelines, et cetera. So um, I, I think I could have kept this podcast going on for another 30 minutes just because I think what you're saying is so fascinating, but so timely. Um, but um, it would be great to have you back at some point to talk about how this is going and especially as evaluations of some of these models of care, you know, come together. So um, a true nursing trailblazer indeed. Dr. Clipper, thank you for taking the time to join us and for sharing your immense knowledge and passion with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Wonderful. Thank you. And listeners, you can learn more about the USF College of Nursing at health.usf.edu forward slash nursing. Until next time, here's to blazing your nursing trail.